What's up, everybody? Matt Gajeski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball bets ahead of February the 15th. It is Thursday, and we have a ton of mid-majors, couple Pac-12 games out west. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM. They have a limited time offer. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below. You'll make your first deposit of at least $5. Turn that around, $5 wager on any team, market, total, whatever you'd like, and you will be paid out $158 in the form of bonus bets. This is available to all of you in legal states except New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 or older to play in most areas. All right, circling back to yesterday and ended, what ended up being a pretty brutal day overall, some tough losses basically had just the Murray State victory. We were on Iowa playing Maryland, and that was an exceedingly tough game because Iowa is winning the whole game, literally the whole game until seven minutes left. And then they score six points in the final seven minutes of the game. I fell asleep during this game, woke up expecting this to be a no sweat, finding out they scored six points in the final seven minutes to not only lose outright, but blow the cover. They were getting five points. So that was pretty egregious. And then the totals didn't come in. The Arizona State game against Oregon State went to 140. That one was close. Richmond got clobbered. Otherwise, there was some injury stuff that happened during the slate. St. Joe's, their point guard was ruled out right before the game. So I was sitting with pretty good amount of closing line value normally in a situation like this I would just buy out of the position when a player like that is out but the line had moved all the way to three I had four and a half and decided to just let it ride and they lost by five otherwise I did a couple other things that ended up being losses Green Bay's best player was ruled into the game at the last second so I took them they lose outright and then Milwaukee's best player BJ Freeman was ruled out at the last second they win outright despite being dogs. So those are tough situations. It's almost like you have a line listed. Let's say it's a one-point spread. Best players ruled out. You are guaranteed to get a get closing line value. Like the line is incorrect once that player is ruled out. Would you take it? The answer for me is always yes. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So we'll put that behind us and move towards today's slate. It's Pac-12 heavy as Thursdays generally are. And we'll kick things off with Colorado taking on UCLA. This game is an interesting one. You're buying low on Colorado, I believe, after they've suffered a lot of injuries this year. But Cody Williams is back for this team. And UCLA's played really well of late. I need to at least give them that. This team has been able to rattle off a number of wins after it looked like their season was completely cooked. But I do think this is the wrong matchup for them in this spot, even though they're playing at home. And I'm not sure I still even buy this UCLA team. Their wins aren't exactly against the best competition. You've got Cal by one point in the last game. I respect the Stanford win in their second most recent. But then Oregon's been up and down. Oregon State is a disaster. USC is a disaster. They lost by they lost to Arizona prior to that. So it hasn't exactly been the best strength of schedule for UCLA as they've gone on this five-game winning streak that they're currently on. Stylistically, this is a nightmare for them. Colorado has a ton of size, a ton of it. And getting Cody Williams back 
helps them even more in this regard. Colorado's fourth in effective height. De Silva's a player that missed games for them. You have Eddie Lampkin inside giving you mid-20s in minutes. It's a nightmare for them height-wise. And UCLA, they're pretty decent-sized team themselves, but a lot of this just comes through Adam Bona, who is the absolute definition of can't keep his hands to himself fouling big man. This guy, he never gets to the maximum possible minutes because all he does is foul. 5.4 fouls per 40 minutes. I'm actually shocked it's that low. The guy's egregious on the interior. And outside from that, I don't think this team has a lot of size. They've recently benched Berkey by Young Tassel, whatever his name is, the, the foreign freshman, excuse me, Berkey. Kenneth Muba's giving you nothing. Brandon Williams is playing a lot as a 6'7 freshman, but you still have to contend with the bodies inside. So you don't have any size for UCLA. You don't defend that area of the court very well. Even though you're pretty strong on defense overall, 116th on the interior or 101st on the interior, that's going to be a mismatch for Colorado to exploit. And then as far as three-point defense goes, they're 96th, but Colorado's still ninth in the country in three-point percentage. They have a lot of shooters, and I don't really see this being an issue for them, even on the road. You look individually, KJ Simpson, 43%. De Silva is at 38%. Cody Williams is at 47 They're stud freshmen. Dude's going to get drafted high. Julian Hammond, 41%. Luke O'Brien, who's back from injury, came back last game, 39%. So just a ton of advantages for Colorado's direction, not to mention rebounding one or 10th to 107. So many stylistics here. And I mean, Colorado's also 62nd in fouls drawn. UCLA, 341 in fouls committed. Will back Colorado, even though this is a road spot here. Next up, we stick in the Pac-12. Utah takes on USC. A tricky one, and one I haven't bet yet, but fully plan to. USC's taking money. It's up to minus two. And I think this is largely just because they're healthier. Isaiah Collier's back. They've basically returned all their injured players. Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis, their guards are fully healthy. And Bronny James is playing too many minutes, honestly, at 24, 25, 26. Because he's been bad. But that's the reason USC's taking money is just their health. This is another matchup inside where Utah has just drastic advantages. This team is more efficient than USC across the board. And I'm honestly surprised USC's taking a lot of money. It's not like we haven't seen this guard combo play for USC before. This is the guard combo that notoriously lost to Long Beach State. The team's just not very good. 102nd on offense, 133rd on defense, 143 effective shooting. Utah's 42. Utah is strong everywhere. So on the inside with Brandon Carlson, yeah, you're working into the strength of USC's defense. They do have some size. They're 11th, Utah's 6th. So seeing USC 50. 50th in interior defense. It should raise some concerns. But Utah's also 45th in three-point percentage, and USC is 336 at defending the three. Massive advantage shooting over the top for Utah. And we can talk about the individual shooters. They have plenty of them. And I think this largely flows through Gabe Madsen, 41%. You have Badgema, 40%. Carlson himself, I mean, shockingly, both Carlsons, are up in the mid 30%. Ben is at 40. He doesn't play a ton, but at least worth noting, they have shooters. Even Devion Smith, who's come on of late, 36% from three. There should be no issues. Utah scoring the ball. They're the better team on offense to begin with. And then from there, this USC team just has a lot of problems. 262 in turnovers committed. They're in more foul trouble than Utah. And a lot of that comes on the interior with like Vincent 
Chukwu, that's going to be tough when you're facing Carlson. Utah's also played the more difficult strength of schedule. Both these teams play with pace. The extra possessions do not help USC in this spot. So look for the best line here. I'm going to wait on this. I would take a plus two if it's what pops. But those of you in legal states, check Odd Shopper. Link is in the video description below. You can sort by state, book, whatever you use. And it's going to help you find the best lines. This makes a big difference in the bottom line. I can tell you from just straight up experience yesterday, if you were able to find a plus five on St. Joe's, I don't know if it was available, but if it was, that gave you a push. I had a plus four and a half. That's a loss. There's also market-based tools. These help you find plus EV spots across sports, college basketball, NBA, whatever it is you play. And everything's consolidated. So our Discord's in there. Experts breaking everything down. It's $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month with no long-term commitments. Helps me a lot, and I think it will help you as well. Let's move forward. We'll stick in the Pac-12 as a lot of these games are being played out west. Cal takes on Washington State. This is one where we will look to a total pacing, just very slow in this game. Kind of surprises in the 140s. The low 140s, but 140 and a half is the value towards the under for me. Cal is 173 in pace. Shockingly, it's honestly remained perfectly constant over the last six weeks during conference play. They're still 173. Washington State is 301 in tempo, and they've actually slowed to 313. When you're playing in the 300s, it's not like there's much room for teams to slow a lot more than that. But Washington is some Washington State has somehow done it. As far as shooting stuff, effective field goal percentage. Most of the sides with Washington State, Cal's 210th in effective scoring, and they're pretty bad everywhere. 240th on the interior, there's no way they score inside against that Washington State defense that ranks 19th. And from three, they're 151. Washington State, 75th at defending that area of the court. As far as Washington State doing their part to get this over the total, which I don't think is likely, the strength of Cal's defense is inside. That's where AMAC plays. So you should be able to neutralize some of the interior scoring. And that's where Washington State plays primarily. They're 313 in schedule, or excuse me, pace-adjusted three-point rate. So yeah, Cal's 279 at defending the three. Washington State just not taking a lot of those in there outside the top 100 in three-point percentage. A lot of the shooting stuff, you know, like if Cal puts Washington State on the line, Washington State is 266th in field free throw percentage. Cal's 170th, so neither of these teams are great from the stripe. And I don't know. Pacing doesn't match up. That's usually the crux of these arguments when we talk totals anyway. So we'll go under 140 and a half for Cal, Washington State. Getting a little greasy, and then I think we got another Pac-12 game. But before we get there, we'll go to the AAC. Wichita State takes on East Carolina. This is one where I like a home team, and I think it's somewhat close. Wichita State had a couple two-time transfers get their clearance, but it hasn't really worked out with Bijan Cortez and Ronnie DeGray. DeGray played a lot in their last game, I think just mainly because of fouls ahead of him. And East Carolina is a team that hasn't been healthy this year, so we just look at who's on the court for them now. I, I think it's as healthy as they're going to be. They also had a two-time transfer in Cam Hayes, but Ezra Osar's missed games. Brandon Johnson's missed games. You've had players really everywhere for this team missed games. And I think that shows up in their efficiency metrics because they are behind Wichita State in a lot of these categories, especially effective field goal percentage. They're 305. Wichita is 225. I do believe there's defensive edges for East Carolina. When you look at how this team is comprised, they're actually 40th in three-point defense. 
They struggle a little bit on the inside, and that's probably the biggest path to Wichita State's success. We already mentioned like DeGray and stuff. It's not like Wichita State's had a lot of success inside either, despite being 83rd in height, they're only 159th in interior scoring, and that's an issue for them. Aside from that, the guard defense is going to be very challenging for Wichita to deal with. East Carolina's 54th in turnovers forced, Wichita State 217th in turnovers committed without a true point guard really on the roster. So unless you can just feed the ball into these Wichita State bigs, this should be a spot where East Carolina can actually run their game and run their offense. Meanwhile, on defense, you know, you have to get the ball to the bigs. And with these guards pressuring so much on the Wichita State backcourt, see that being a pretty big issue in this spot. So we'll take the one with East Carolina. Back to the Pac-12. Stanford takes on Washington. We're back to our friends at Stanford. I just honestly believe this team is still very underrated. They played a little up and down, but they have so many advantages over their opponents. Playing on the road stuff. It's not like this is a massive road trip for them. But despite being a little bit behind Washington in effective field goal, or excuse me, in offensive efficiency, they have an edge in effective field goal, 17 to 60. Stanford has a lot of height. They're 18, so that contends well with Washington, who stands 38 in that metric. Rebounding is very close between these teams. Sometimes Washington has advantages on the glass. And when you just look at how these teams score, two-point percentage, Washington has a slight advantage, but Stanford's strong and tall inside. From three, it's not even close. Washington doesn't have any shooters. Severe, Severe Wheeler's a disaster. Corn Johnson's been a mess. Their guards are complete and absolute disaster. Stanford has excellent guard play. They're 71st in three-point rate, seventh in three-point percentage against this Washington defense, which is 178th in defending the three. Tough spot for Washington, man. Like, big on big, strength on strength inside. Major mismatch on the perimeter. Pretty tough for me to see this Washington team getting it done. And I honestly think you could maybe look at some Stanford money line dog stuff in this spot. Washington also a team that just hemorrhages fouls on the inside. Braxton, Mia, I mean, these guys foul a ton. And let's get a little bit greasy to finish up here. UTEP takes on Western Kentucky. This might be my favorite one of the day. Western Kentucky undervalued here with a five-point spread. I ex- I'm expecting this to move. We'll see what happens. But Western Kentucky's kind of been a team we've been backing a lot this year. Also a team that's dealt with injuries. We've seen Lander miss time for them. But they've gotten really good play lately. And a lot of their metrics are continuing to rise through conference play, which is interesting to me. This team has played the semi-difficult schedule, but UTEP's actually a little bit better there. ton of pace in the game. But just individually... UTEP can't score. Both these teams are good on defense, but UTEP's inability to score really stands out. 292 in effective field goal, Western Kentucky 132. And on the interior, there's a major mismatch. UTEP is 304th in height. Western Kentucky's 134 scoring inside. UTEP is 296 at defending the interior. They're excellent at defending guards. Western Kentucky doesn't shoot a lot of threes. They're 324th in three-point rate. They're actually pretty decent at shooting them when they do decide to, 138. They have a couple guys over 40%. Dom McHenry's at 43. Dante Allen, he's at 42. And then you even have like Tyron Marshall. He's at 36. So pretty good three-point shooters. But anyway, that's not the argument I'm trying to make. On the inside, this team should have plenty of success. Rodney Howard at 6'11". He's a Georgia Tech transfer. Then you've got Bubakar Faye, Tyron Marshall. All these guys have size. Even Dante Allen at 6'6". And Brandon Newman on the wing. These guys are 6'5". 
and 6'6". I mean, you have a ton of size for this team overall. That's going to be very tough for a small UTEP lineup to contend with, not to mention, yeah, UTEP forces a lot of turnovers. They're number one in the country doing that. But you actually look at the margin between turnovers forced versus turnovers committed. It's actually wider for Western Kentucky versus UTEP. Western Kentucky forces a decent amount themselves. They're 96, but UTEP is 353 in turnovers committed. So the differential there actually favors Western Kentucky, as crazy as this is. Kind of just insane numbers, but it is the truth. UTEP also constantly in foul trouble, 339 there. With the size disadvantages they have, it's not looking promising for them on the inside. But a couple other ones I'm considering before we head out of here, just quick throwaway games. SMU Tulane, like SMU at two and a half. Looking at an under in Marshall App State. Took an over in Hampton Stony Brook at 144, expecting that to move. Charlotte over UTSA at 13 is interesting to me. Louisiana over Old Dominion. Sam Houston over FIU. Couple totals, Southeast Missouri State on Eastern Illinois, like an under. Moorhead State, Little Rock, like an over. And then North Carolina a North Carolina Wilmington, looking at an over there. But that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys for watching. Leave a comment below if you have one. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Twitter. Happy to answer them. My DMs are open. And we'll see you about tomorrow. I'm traveling this weekend for a wedding. Beth, Matt, congrats. I'll try to get a video out for Friday. There's absolutely no chance for Saturday though. Saturday though. So my apologies. Tons of good games. Hope you enjoy them. Until then, good luck. We'll see you guys later.